Alrighty. Well, good morning, South Hills. How are you guys doing? Are you guys awake yet? Well, my name is Dave Williamson. I'm one of the, I'm a visiting pastor here to South Hills, Costa Mesa. If this is your first time here to this church, I want to say on behalf of South Hills, a, welcome, a special welcome to you guys. We're so glad you guys are here. I can't think of a better place to start your new year. To give you a little background on, on me, I'm a, a friend with Moses. I'm a friend with South Hills. Uh, I've been a pastor now for the last 16 years, and they probably thought, who should we invite to talk about this message as we kick it off on commitment? Well, let's find the guy that dated his wife for nine years before he got married. So uh, maybe he knows a thing or two about commitment. And uh, so they, they invited me in, but I love the church. And this is kind of a funny thing because I'm, I'm the guy that grew up in the church, uh, sitting in a wooden pew, wearing suit and tie that just hated going. I was really dragged to church every day. But uh, now I, I get to be a guy that is a pastor at a church telling everybody there's no better place to be and no better place or person to follow than God himself. But uh, uh, today, we have an incredible message, and I can't think of a better series to kick off the new year than a message series on commitment, because I don't know how many of you have, uh, have really made resolutions every year of your life. It seems like, hey, it's a new year. It's time to reflect on last year. What were my goals last year? What did I accomplish? What did I not accomplish? And you're kind of looking at this new year as maybe a new beginning, maybe a fresh start. Maybe it's a time to, to really think, well, this year is the year for me to do what I said I'm going to do, right? And I don't know about you, but uh, uh, I have many stories that we're going to go through today on this message. It's, it's why commitment matters and then also why we struggle with it. So I'm going to paint that picture on some of the struggles we have, and then we're going to talk about why commitment matters. But let's pray as we get ready to begin. Father, I just thank you so much for every person that's here today that, that showed up here at the church. I thank you, Lord, for every person that showed up today that's watching online as well, Lord. We just pray that your word would be shared, that we would grow closer to you and know what it is that you want uh, for us in our lives as we draw closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, I don't know about you, uh, I, for most of my life I've been throwing parties now as a pastor, I think we call it gatherings. Uh, get-togethers, but uh, maybe you get together, maybe you're a small group host. Maybe you're one of those people that, that open up your home or a business or a coffee shop. You kind of meet people and you're, you gather people that way. Maybe you've had an opportunity to put together a wedding for maybe a child of yours or somebody close to you. Uh, maybe it was just Thanksgiving. Like, do we host it at our house? Uh, and then maybe this one's too close to com for comfort, but maybe you thought maybe we should throw a New Year's Eve party this year. Well, what generally happens when you decide, first of all, let, let's do this, and it's, it's a commitment, first of all, then you start thinking, well, what all are we going to have? Are we cooking the food? Is it a potluck? Or what kind of drinks are we going to have? Uh, is we going to cause somebody to stumble if we have drinks? What, what all, what's all involved with this? Then can, if we invite these friends, can these friends get along? And then as you put it all together, you get ready to send out your invitations, and however we do that these days, whether it's social media, Evite cards, Instagram stuff, whatever it is, you send them all out and then you wait to see who's going to respond. Like who's showing up, right? And you're like, oh good, that person, that person. Then you're thinking, did they open it? Did they see it? Then you start texting them and, and writing them and, and you're like, hey, did you see my invitation? I didn't hear from you. Did you see it? And then you start getting a lot of what we call today maybes. Like, oh, you know what? I'm going to try to make it. I'm going to see if I can make that. That's a great idea. Thanks for the invitation. We're, we're going to see if we can swing by, which is code for I'm waiting to see if there's other options out there, and then I'll decide between all my options which is the best place for me to be, right? So we live in a, in a kind of a place of maybe these days. And people in our culture today are uh, 
have been a long, a long time uh, commitment uh, verse where you might say that. You know, people in general have a problem with committing. And you think about the last two years, we've kind of added something to this commitment problem. Now you might be thinking, well, we were going to plan a vacation, but now I don't even know if I can enter the country. Now I don't know if, uh, if their restrictions are so strong that I can't show up. It might even be sometimes you don't even know if the, the place you normally eat at a restaurant is going to be open. So can I, I can't commit to that. I can't tell people to meet us somewhere because I don't know if my whole party could get in. So you think, well, is that a new restriction causing us to have lack of commitment? Well, th- this is nothing, nothing new for all of us. This tendency to not commit is, is way bigger than COVID and goes way beyond social get-togethers. We're one of the most non-committal generations in all human history. Well, in all in all in human history, but just non-committal generation. We don't want to be locked into specific jobs, relationships, schedules, opinions, or expectations. So if we don't commit, nobody's going to judge us on did we not commit or fulfill that commitment, right? In fact, you could say the main mantra of our generation is to keep your options open. I don't know how many people you maybe hear that advice. Well, you want to, you know, I'm just keeping my options open, which is another way of saying I'm not committing to anything, right? Uh, sociologists call this, this actual, you know, tendency that we're in, they call this liquid modernity, which is kind of an interesting word, but it says never wanting to commit to any one identity, place, or community, remaining liquid in a state that can adapt to any future shape. Well, when you think about that, that statement, you're like, well, that actually might sound good. And when you think about sometimes what you're, what you're led to believe or led to, to watch even on social media, maybe through our commercials, maybe through our, our TV shows, you're like, well, this liquid modernity sounds really good. The, there's an upside to this. It says we feel empowered to make our own decisions and we're much less likely to be driven by sheer obligation. Our options are endless and we can choose to do or be anything or go anywhere we want at any given moment, which is incredible. But what you don't hear is the downside. Why are so many people unhappy today? And you think, well, maybe it's because of lack of commitment. Maybe it's because of the very thing that we're being sold today as the new lifestyle. This is what you need to, to be or do today. That downside is, looks like this. All these options don't seem to be making us happy. We have trouble committing to relationships. We uproot ourselves quickly and don't feel known or settled. We don't master certain skills because we're afraid they'll soon be obsolete. We don't trust anything large or organized. Our attention spans are getting shorter. We abandon a habit before we even have done that thing long enough to know if it's working. The whole world is liquid. We feel like we can't rely on anyone and and no one can rely on us. Now, I don't know about you, but Maybe you feel like I just read somebody's Enneagram personality profile or something. If you, if you could relate to some of those things that I said. But our culture is telling us this. So this is just the way it is, is what we hear. Value abstract skills that can be applied anywhere and don't get too sentimental about anything. So you want to keep your distance. Don't get too attached. Be coldly efficient and don't take anything too seriously. So this is what we're hearing. We're kind of being fed this, and this is where we struggle with commitment. And it's just kind of inbred into us over the years. What's crazy is that most of the heroes that we, we, we kind of aspire to be over time didn't fit into this category of this liquid modernity. Most of the people that we think, well, that, that person is successful, 
and I want to be kind of like that person. I want to have what they have. I want to, I want to achieve what they've achieved in their lifetime. And a lot of times we set ourselves up for those kind of like mentors or models saying, I want to do that. I want to have that. Whether it's you're thinking, I want to be a millionaire. I want to be an actor. I want to be a musician. I want, I want to do what they're doing. Well, those people that we aspire to become, most often statistics show they made long-term commitments to particular places and communities, to particular causes and crafts, and to particular institutions and to people. We, ad- we admire them for doing it, but we just don't want to do it. The question that we often say, and I've heard this uh, myself, and I've heard this with my two sons that are 22 and 23, says, how do we get what they got without doing what they did? Have you ever thought that? Like, I want everything that they have. I just don't want to do what they did to get there, right? There's got to be some other faster way, right? There's got to be a, you know, it's a different society today. There's, we could do it faster than they did it. But we, what we find out is you're just not doing it, right? Now, here we see the Apostle Paul, which is one of the New Testament writers. And he has something to say about this because we, when we think about this, there's no new problems. There's nothing new under the sun. And even the Apostle Paul wrote about this uh, 2,000 years ago almost. He said this in Galatians. This was to the church in Galatia. He said, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always, always harvest what you plant. In other words, when you think of harvest, because a lot of times you're thinking, well, that's a farmer's analogy. Uh, in other words, what you're putting your hands to are what, what, are what you're committed to. So that's what it says, you harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to, to, to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So you might say, well, I kind of get that. I, I get that whatever I put my hands to, you know, that's what I'm going to achieve. Whatever I put my time and effort to, the results might come from that. So we, we might be understanding that statement, but you might be in a place right now, depending on your age, and, and age doesn't necessarily have anything to do with it, but a lot of times in our youth, we, we say the thing that I'm still experimenting. So I'm not just not committing, I'm experimenting. I'm leaving my options open because I'm young. And we, you might find as lo- the longer you say that, it could be a lifestyle that you end up in. It can become a habit that you form of saying, I'm just an experimenter. I'm a non-committal person because I'm going to leave my options open always. And so that lack of commitment can creep in. There's, there's an author, uh, Pete Davis, calls what we're stuck in the infinite browsing mode. And I don't know if you've ever found yourself in that, but there's a lot of things that we are stuck in in this infinite browsing mode. And, and you know, here's just a quick example that almost seems to hit me almost every day where you're sitting on the couch, you, maybe you're with your family, and you're trying to decide what to watch. And, you know, you're, you're channel surfing the 5,000 channels that we all have on cable TV today. You can't find the right thing. So next thing you do, you're starting to watch uh, movie previews. So you're watching the trailers. And, you know, maybe an hour, hour and a half later, after all the trailers, you finally agreed all together on the movie you're going to watch, except it's so late, you're like, there's no way we can start it now. So you all go to bed disappointed, right? And you don't even get to watch the movie that you waited for an hour to watch all these trailers to decide on. Well, the problem with that infinite browsing mode is it's not just TV. We're, we're stuck in this infinite browsing mode of life. 
of saying, I don't want to choose the wrong thing. I don't want to choose the wrong thing. I don't want to choose the wrong thing. So I'm going to keep browsing and I keep searching. I'm going to keep searching. And by the time maybe it's time to make a decision or the time you make a decision, it's either too late. You're so exhausted and frustrated. You missed an opportunity, right? It's an infinite browsing mode culture. So we're endlessly searching for the best option. Uh, for the best option, we're endlessly searching for the best option uh, prevents us from selecting and being satisfied with a good option. And we might think, uh, you might have heard this statement before, at least I've, I've heard it several times, it's saying that if you're waiting for perfect circumstances uh, to come, they might not ever, you might not ever, you'll, you'll miss many opportunities. So if you're waiting for that perfect situation to come, you're going to miss the opportunities that are right in front of you. And so we're stuck in this waiting for the perfect, right? So the more options we have, we could get stuck in this. And uh, this is just an example I gave earlier. My dad's over here today. But uh, I remember growing up, I would, I would drive with my dad and he would go and drive around to different businesses. Sometimes we'd call it going to pick somebody's brain, which means you're going to go learn some information about a company or a business to learn and gather some information. But before we would do that, we'd often get a cup of coffee. Well, the cup of coffee we'd get back then would just, you know, be uh, a quick little stop. It'd be a black cup of coffee and you'd be ready to go. I don't know how many of you just drink black cup of coffee today, but now you go to the store and you get the double, double cupped squirt of syrup and this and that and the, do you want hot or cold or which flavors? And you can imagine just, just making a selection and choosing an option of coffee can be a frustrating thing. This happens in everything you buy today. Even if you wanted a simple toaster, you're gonna have to search the web for hours to figure out which model and what does it do. It's just gonna make your toast, right? It's gonna heat up the bread. And, uh, but options are great, but again, they could get us stuck in this of never committing to something. There's another author that says this. It's a book called The Paradox of Choice. Barry Schwartz says, at some point, choice no longer liberates, but debilitates. And think about that. We have so many choices that sometimes you're so frozen and not doing, choosing the wrong thing that you don't choose anything, right? And so it debilitates us from ever moving forward. And again, this message, we want to say there's two parts of this message. First about commitment and then the struggles of commitments. Sometimes it's great just to identify the problem first and then we look at the solutions. So at some point, choice no longer deliberates but, delib uh, but debilitates and reality, good enough, really is good enough. And when we wait for these perfect situations, like I mentioned before, where that verse saying that we're afraid to, to choose anything, which means you might not ever choose at all. As Christians, a lot of times we might have an extra level of problem of, com of committing because we might always say the thing, well, I'm waiting for the will of God in my life. I want, I, want, I want God's will to be done. I don't know how many of you have been looking at a new job or uh, a relationship and you're like, I'm, I'm wanting God's will to be done in my life. And you're frozen thinking that if you choose poorly that you'll be outside of God's will. You know, here's a great verse to read about this choice. When you have a choice, what is God saying to us? How many choices do we have? In Genesis 2, at the very beginning, in 2, 15 through 17, it says this, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may free, freely eat the fruit of, tree, of the tree of life in the garden, except the tree of, excuse me, let's read that again. You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So again, he's saying here, there's all these options, 
All these options. You can have all these options. They're all good. They're great choices. I, I made them for you. Just don't eat this one thing. And how many of us are afraid, like God told us, here's all the bad choices. There's only one good choice. We kind of flipped it and think that God's only given us one good thing that we have to search for our whole life. And God's saying, I've created it all for you. Just don't choose these couple bad things. And he points those out. I don't, you know, when you think of your father's wisdom and God is our perfect father and the book is full of wisdom. And he's saying, I'm just gonna point out some of these bad things. Just try to avoid those. And here's the good things. If you wanna have a great, successful, fulfilling, purposeful life, follow these things. So we're gonna look at that. The bottom line here is this. When we're afraid to choose the wrong thing, we, we sample everything, commit to nothing, and, and find fulfillment, and don't find fulfillment in anything. So what that means is resisting specific goals robs us of our sense and progress and purpose. So if we don't commit to a goal, we'll never fulfill a goal. And you might have heard, you know, in business terms and even churches these days, they talk a lot about, you know, setting goals and smart goals and specific and measurable and attainable and reachable and all these, these kind of things. But this is true if we're not committing to something. And I don't know how many of us at the beginning of a year say things like, I'm gonna lose this much weight. That's a great goal to have, or it's a great thing to say. Now, have you actually committed to different ways to achieving that goal? Or this is the year that I'm gonna save more money. Okay, great. Have you actually sat down and thought specifically how you're going to do that? That takes commitment, but then what you'll find is you'll see progress and you'll see fulfillment. And this is what God's calling us to a life of progress and he wants us to grow and he wants us to to do many things that we, maybe we haven't even dreamed of imag- or imagined yet. It says that people who commit to nothing universally struggle to find meaning in life. And this is an important thing. So people that, that commit to nothing universally struggle to find meaning or purpose. And, and why, are so, why is there so much depression in life today and, and people that are just so frustrated with where they're at? And it all comes down to, a lot of times, to this commitment problem. And so as we look at these, these areas of commitment issues, you might have heard this say before, uh, when you might heard, heard somebody say, this person has commitment issues. They might be referring to dating problems. Like, you know, this person's never gonna get married. They've been dating for nine years. They have a commitment issue, right? So earlier, the earlier service, somebody said, we beat you, we dated for 11 years. That made me feel good. But, you know, you'll either be prideful if somebody, you know, or, or discouraged if somebody's, if you're comparing. But here, if you have commitment issues, it, it, it can go to all kinds of different problems in your life, not just dating. Here's a few of them. And in relationships, we probably heard that many times. If somebody has commitment, commitment issues, we know that that might lead to them not having a relationship at all right? If a person desires to get married and has commitment issues, I know you're trying to find the right person. That's part of dating, but eventually there's commitment. It says commitment issues may prompt one or both partners in a dating relationship to eventually reject that relationship if there's no commitment. In the workplace, if you have commitment issues in the workplace, it can make you suffer in the workplace on missed opportunities. They can't trust you. They can't trust a project with you. And there might be no longer an opportunity for you there. At school, if you have commitment issues, you might decide there's just too much work. It takes too long. I don't want to commit to doing that program. Uh, it's just, I can't do that. And so you're like, I love all those people that have those degrees. Maybe they do something with that. But um, I just, you know, I want to have what they have. I just don't want to do what they did. Maybe it's in the church. Maybe in the church, you have some commitment issues. It says here, a Christian who is not committing to God's family, the church, often allows the enemy a stronghold in their lives. So the less you try to get away from God or the more you try to get away from God, the more world gets in you. 
and the more other wisdom gets in you. And God says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And we're trying to get more God into us. It says here, God even talks about this when he says, I want you to commit to me and stop, stop avoiding me. It says this in Hebrews 10, 25, it says, don't stop meeting together with other believers, which some people have gotten into the habit of doing. Instead, encourage each other, especially as you see the day drawing near. So to continue to meet. And even in this last two years, you can imagine, a lot of times we're looking for other excuses that we can use to get out of something, right? If the teacher doesn't show up, what is it, five minutes, 10 minutes, you get to leave the classroom? So, hey, there's my excuse. Um, if COVID hits and you're like, wait a minute, we can't meet in the building. Uh, there's my excuse, I don't have to go to church anymore. And I love the fact that we have online church. I love the fact that there's always options outside church, inside church again, whatever it is. But there's God saying, don't be like those who are no longer committing. Times will get worse. We've seen a glimpse of the future. How do we be like those that don't walk away from God in times of trial? But we be like those and saying, let's see how big the church can grow in times of trial. Let's see the different opportunities we have to meet in times of trial. And these are amazing things. And the last one here, in life in general, lack of commitment uh, issues will cause you to miss out on life more than the FOMO you had from committing in the first place. And FOMO is a fear of missing out. And so a lot of times we don't commit because we're afraid we're gonna miss out. But what happens is we miss out because we didn't commit. Is that interesting? Maybe there was a, a gathering or a party or whatever and you didn't show up because you didn't wanna commit and you, you heard that it was the most awesome event ever they ever had. And you're like, man, I wish I would have committed to that. I wish I would have shown up. And it says here, uh, in life in general, commitment issues will cause you to miss out more on life than, than the things that, that, that you are avoiding. So you can't delay commitment without delaying fulfillment, and you don't have forever. So you can't delay commitment without delaying fulfillment. And so... Again, here, you're looking at, you can't delay this. If you delay commitment, you're gonna delay the very thing that you're trying to achieve in life. So not deciding is, is deciding to be in limbo. God calls this being lukewarm. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm even in our spiritual walk with him. He wants us to be, really, he wants us to be hot, but he's saying, I'd rather you be hot or cold, not lukewarm. Lukewarm is non-committal. It's non-committing. So how do we be this people of commitment? As it turns out, the thing we want most isn't ease, and of effortlessness, it's purpose and passion. So, and what kind of commitment is most likely to make you into a person you'd be proud of? Well, if you were to ask Jesus this, what kind of person would, would, you, would, would make me happiest? What kind of person, Lord, I'm, I wanna commit to something, I just don't know what I should commit to. Well, these are great words to ask God. And a lot of times we're looking for answers from God. We find them in this book here, the Bible. We're like, well, ask God questions and then look for the answers in here. But in here, if we're asking God, what should I commit to? What, if, if I was to think, I want to commit to something this year to follow God the best way I can, he would say this here. In Matthew 6, we read, it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be provided to you. And what I love about that verse, this is a verse that we're sharing all throughout South Hills this weekend, is this is one of my life verses. And it has to do with priorities. What are you putting first? And here again, it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things that you're, you're seeking for and you're wanting to achieve and you're wanting to become, God will put into priority and, and, and the place in your life. In fact, I brought this little Bible here because I, I share this often with people that this verse is a verse that my mom 
I think God put on her heart to put this verse in every birthday card and Christmas card for years growing up. And growing up in a Christian family, I thought, well, that's just, it's great. You know, my mom's putting in a Bible verse. But hindsight's a great thing because you can look back on life later and I look back on that verse and say, that's the very thing that I struggle with most my entire life until I said yes to God fully in my life. And this Bible here is just one example. And she probably wrote it in birthday cards before this one, but this was in 1983 at Christmas. And it says right here, my son, your plans are great for the future, but always include God. Seek him early in your life for without him, your castles are empty. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So when you think about, I understand the struggle. I understand of putting everything first. In fact, I, even though I grew up in a Christian home and I believed Jesus was my Lord and Savior, that was enough for me. So I kind of put the, this, these things as far away as I could. I didn't need to read this book and I didn't need to attend church because I already got that God was my Savior. And so I, I put him probably in my life in my priority list, second, third, fourth, fifth, or he was way out there. But then I struggled with happiness. I struggled with finding just that right thing. I wanted, to, I wanted to achieve all the things that everybody else achieved. I just wanted to find out the easier way to get there, right? And God kept reminding me, seek first his wisdom and his righteousness and all these other things. It doesn't necessarily mean, don't, don't get me wrong, it's not prosperity gospel. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean everything you've ever dreamed about or prayed about or wanted in your life will be added to you like a garage full of toys or something. For me, it'd be motorcycles and boats and you know, that, that's my toys. But it doesn't mean that. It means if you put God first, if you seek him truly first, his wisdom and his righteousness, he's gonna put everything else in priority in the right order in your life. And maybe some of those things that you were seeking, you're gonna find out, I don't even want those anyway. And some of those things that you didn't know, God's gonna say, this is much better. God has a better plan for us than, than a lesser plan for us. So that's something to always remember. If you want the best choice, live out this verse. And what will happen if we do that? Well, here's another verse that kind of explains what will happen if we put him first. Uh, it says here, Jeremiah 17, seven. It says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of COVID or drought. Uh, it says their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. So there's nothing that's going to stop us, whether it's one year of, of you know, restrictions or two years or 40 years in the desert like, like the Israelites. Whatever comes our way, our hope is in Christ. And so we look here, what do we learn from this? Well, we learn that God's gonna give us strength and confidence and predictability and reliability if we trust in him first, looking at what, what should I commit to? So this is what this imagery is promising us. When we think about this word commit and we think about the word dedicate, we think about all that we hear between Genesis and Revelation and the word of God, you hear a lot about God's com God committing to us and having his people commit to him. We hear about covenants that God made with people. We hear about what is God going to do? What are we supposed to do? Those kind of things. There's two meanings that we see in these two words, covenant, or, uh, commitment and dedicate. And dedicate. Number one, we, we see to make something holy is dedicate, a memorial. That's, that's a word we use for dedicate. To stick, and number two is to stick at something for a long time. That's dedicated to a project. When we commit to something, we stick to it for a long period of time. This is not a coincidence. We're doing something holy when we choose to commit. 
Another way to say it is holiness is the consistent, is the consistent carrying out of commitments. So think of as you commit to something, it actually is a, a holiness of yourself. You're like, I'm going to dedicate or commit myself or commit my life to something. And God honors that, especially, especially when it's the right commitment, the right thing. So maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, what is the right thing? You know, we've talked a lot about the struggles. We've talked a lot about, you know, how we get fed this in our culture and saying, well, keep your options open. There's, there's, there's things that happen when we don't do life that way. And we have the word of God, the wisdom saying, okay, I want to commit. God's calling me to be a person of commitment. He's calling me to a better lifestyle. Well, now I want to take us through how can we do that and what can we commit to? Actually, no, I'm not. We're going to save that for next week. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so next week, this series, Being About Commitment, is going to be about how do I make a commitment to last? Many of you might be saying to yourself as you're hearing this, well, I've made a lot of commitments, and they just they don't work very well for me. And uh, I make a lot of New Year's resolutions. I haven't really lived them out. Uh, I'm supposed to be 120 pounds. I'm not, no, just kidding. Uh, so uh, you're thinking about what are those things you broke? We're gonna talk about that next week. We're gonna talk about this through this series on what are the commitments that God wants us to make and if that happens in our life, what can we, what, what is our future gonna look like? And so it's gonna be an exciting time together. And so I want all of us, before we leave though, I feel like you need to commit to something. So think about that as we get ready to close in prayer. What am I gonna commit to? Maybe your commitment this year is I'm gonna commit to coming back to this series at least these next few weeks to hear what God wants me to commit to. Maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe you do what Pastor Moses said earlier and you want to commit to the read every day for this year and say, okay, if this is God's wisdom and, and there's truth in here and there's life in here and there's purpose in here, maybe I'm just going to commit to reading that every day. I've never done that before. This is the year. And we're going to talk about how you can accomplish that too. So we're not just going to leave you hanging. Like I've tried that too and I failed at that. We're going to help you do that. But we'd love for you to commit. Maybe if you're just saying, I, don't, I haven't committed yet to Jesus. Maybe that's the thing. And I'm going to commit. I don't, I don't have all the answers yet, but I want to commit to him. So let's pray. And then after we pray, we're going to hear a quick word from Pastor Moses on the screen. So let's pray. 